not only are we going to New Hampshire, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. You are listening to America's Healthcare Challenge with Sean McGuire. Join the conversation at 402-342-1290 or at 800-577-1290. Once again, direct from the American heartland, here's your host, Sean McGuire. Hey, welcome back to America's Healthcare Challenge. Hope you're having a great day. We're just uh, plowing through some some great topics here on the program this week. It's part three of our ongoing benefit series that we've been when bringing to you as a public service to help you make the, the difficult decisions that you're facing. And this week we're talking about some of the difference, generational differences within your organization. We're joined by Stuart Sonnen, president of State Consulting uh, on America's Healthcare Challenge. Stuart has uh, uh, boatloads of experience in employee benefits in the insurance industry. Uh, Stuart, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. Thank we, you. uh, we, we've, we covered the, the baby boomer uh, brain drain last segment. Um, but let, and we've touched a little bit about our next point, but let's, uh, let's cover it a little bit more. What are these generational groups that you identified for us last segment? What do they really want from their workplace employers? Well, you know, as, as we try to indicate, uh, different segments want different things. For example, uh, the youngest uh, group, the millennials uh, under 30, want work-life balance, uh, financial rewards, job security, uh, career advancement, uh, pay for organizational performance, and also pay for individual performance. They want they want to be recognized. You know, they they want uh, to uh, to be you know separated out from the rest of the crowd uh, and looked at for what they bring to the table. The the Generation Xers. Uh, those 31 to 50, they're, they're looking for work-life balance. They're looking for job security. They're looking for financial rewards. Uh, they're also looking for career advancement. Remember, they're the next uh, potential managerial class. They're looking for pay for organizational performance. Uh, obviously, you know, salary increases for performance. And they're also looking for innovation and risk. They're willing to offer ideas. And they're all also willing to take the risks of performing uh, uh, what's required of those risky uh, situation recommendations that they make. How about the older generation, the baby boomers and the greatest generation uh, uh, you know, before that that are still the owners? What are they looking for? They're also looking for a work-life balance of its own kind. They're looking for job security, naturally, at that age. They're still looking for financial rewards for what they bring to the table. They're looking for pay for organizational performance. They're looking for job security. Again, I had mentioned that. And they're also looking for a career advancement. Maybe that last bump in their in their pension plan or, or bonus stock bonus plan. Those are the kind of things that the older generation obviously is looking for. And this would just... I guess go because as our economy has evolved, that would make a lot of sense because people in the baby boomer generation probably started their careers and some of them might have 
worked their whole careers at the same organization. Mm-hmm. But how, when you look at the millennials, they're more common to to potentially leave. Uh, and work. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in our last segment. That's a very important point you bring up. But let's dive into, um, you know, what are the attitudes and, and also uh, what do they really want? What I have seen uh, in my work, and I'm sure you mirror some of this, uh, Sean, mm-hmm. is uh, there's a high degree of, of desire to have, you know, voluntary benefits. Uh, but you look at that, I'm going to separate the, the, the generation groups again. The baby boomers may be considering long-term care insurance, retirement planning, and financial advice, particularly in regards to you know, retirement or financial planning. The Generation Xers uh, have a need for child care, college planning, life insurance, critical illness coverage, and, and perhaps identity theft coverage. The millennials are very active uh, and they're looking at accident disability income, uh, dental and vision. And they have less of a sense of uh, the base medical plan. This is a group that potentially could be the opt-outs in a group, uh, maybe who would go to Obamacare uh, uh, or, uh, you know, would pay the penalty uh, because they, they just can't see dollars for value. If they take their employer's um, option of providing, uh, you know, group insurance, they'll see better value. But this is a this is a generation group, you know, and we'll cover the last segment that sees more in what is important to me right now. So what's interesting? I put together some numbers, Sean. Uh, the most asked for benefits from these groups uh, is vision, 24 percent. Critical illness is second at 19%. Accident disability insurance is 17%. Medical coverage across all the groups is 10%, and dental is 7%. 40% of these employees own one or more voluntary products. Uh, they're closely aligned that are closely aligned to their lifestyle and their family needs. Hmm. So that that I guess brings up some interesting options for employers then, doesn't it? I mean, maybe they shouldn't, they should be um, considering offering all of these, these things instead of, or, or, or paired with a high deductible health plan and then offering uh, these types of voluntaries in addition to it. Yeah, that's, that's a very astute observation, Sean. And I think you step back and take a look at the, the generation groups that we're covering and you take a look at each group and you say, what do they see as perceived value from mm-hmm. the benefits menu that's being offered to them, both as base benefits and voluntary benefits? Uh, the younger generation still is unsure of what is a deductible and what is coinsurance and how does that affect me? And maybe what's important to me, uh, this is my first new job. You know, I have to be able to see what I'm doing. So vision benefits is, is really uh, important to me. And critical illness is what I call the, oh, my God, what ha- if any serious situation happens to me? You know, what would cover me? And that's why critical illness is the second most. And they're, as I said, they're very active. So accident and disability obviously is, again, uppermost, you know, in their minds. And then it filters down from there. But you look at why this is the case over the three uh, active uh, working generations, and you can see where they're coming from. 
Yeah, I totally can. It makes a, it makes a lot of sense. And so that's what also makes sense is for employers to really to understand that. Do you think employers have their 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 heads wrapped around um, you know, these massive differences and in, in You want? know, I I don't think all the time. I think they look at these things very abstractly. Uh they look at benefits as a cost of doing business, and they look at it also to protect themselves uh, from paying high unemployment tax in their respective state. So I, I think they have to look at it with a little bit of our help in terms of what are you currently doing? What value are you getting for what you're providing? Uh, do you see any perception of value from your employees? And has anyone verbalized uh, what they like or don't like to you during the period that they've been, uh, you know, employees at your firm. Uh, that would really address what you just asked me, Sean, I think. Well, I think they, they need to be doing that because what's the point of of offering uh, a program that, that costs an awful lot if, if the employees don't even like or, or, or see any value from it? Yeah, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. The other interesting thing here is if you look at it, today's modern offering of coverages at the workplace, Telehealth and funding accounts are the preferred tools to lower out-of-pocket health costs. The thing that absolutely uh, is is uh, of great concern to all these generation groups is uh, not only the cost to them, the, uh, the cost from the employer, but they look at their total out-of-pocket liability. You know, what am I expected to pay out-of-pocket in terms of the way these plans are designed? You know, what's the maximum dollar I'm responsible for? Maximum exposure, almost, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, how can you help me to offset these costs so that telehealth and the various funding accounts, uh, flex spending accounts, health reimbursement accounts, health savings accounts, really are added tools that if the employer is currently not doing this, they really should be considering that to help their employees. Right. I agree because it's going to help them save money and it, could potentially help uh, the organization save money because especially if you're able to retain retain employees, people also don't understand how, how expensive it is to have to, to hire somebody new. Uh, it's almost easier to keep the person there. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Especially if they're, if they're competent. Um, Stuart, yeah. um, we got about a minute till our next break. Um, any, anything else on this? I, you know, I really like where we're going uh, on this because I think we're, we're, we're um, helping people understand that it's it's a, a little bit bigger dynamic than just a, a cut and dry economic decision. Yeah, especially with I think all we things. have to get to the point of being mature. All of us, those that are benefit consultants, Sean, and the receivers at the other end, of looking at what's being offered. Uh, do you have any definite value for what's being offered? Do you have any proof of that? You know, how have you measured it? Have you not measured it? Uh, what feedback are you getting? Have you done something about the feedback that you're getting? You know, maybe it's a reallocation of funds so that you can provide a funding account, uh, you know, or a telehealth uh, option, which will help you ultimately. These are the things I think the folks uh, on the call, Sean, you know, need some outside help to really come to that realization. Right, right. And for for help with that, you can just get through, get through, uh, get it through us at Edie Bellis, through myself and uh, I can get you in touch with with Stuart here, and we can help solve those uh, any of those problems that that one might have. Stuart, uh, got time for one more segment here today? Yep. All right, Absolutely. fantastic. This is part three of our 
ongoing series, which is designed to be a public service for you, helping you understand um, all the issues that are surrounding uh, this difficult upcoming 2017 open enrollment season. This week, we're looking at what are the important decisions in generational groups uh, that one needs to understand when making these decisions, because they all are quite different. We've got individuals that are in the baby boomer generation, individuals in Generation X and millennials all have different needs. And that's what we're here to help you understand. This is America's Healthcare Challenge. We'll be back right after this. Too many- 